Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. How many of you know that every problem in the world is a problem of relationship? Every single problem in the world is a problem of relationship. All the wars, all the suffering, all the poverty, all the theft, the fraud, the corruption are all problems of relationship. They're not just sins or problems. They're problems of relationship. And if we can solve the relationship problems in the world, we can work with God to make this planet a wonderful place. Can you say amen? All the gender issues, the abortion, these things cannot be solved other than by relationship. And the world thinks it can solve them by political decree, but God calls his church to not be part of the problem, but to be part of the solution. Because if every problem is a relationship problem, we need to be part of the solution. Can you say amen? Now here's a powerful truth I want you to read on the screen with me. The deepest emotional impact in your life is coming or will come through a relationship with the opposite sex. Other than that, you know what the deepest impact in your life will be? The death of someone. Moving, getting a job, they have an emotional impact on you, changing churches, changing countries. But the deepest emotional impact, other than the death of a loved one, will be a relationship with the opposite sex. How many of you know you better understand some things about it if it's going to have an impact on you? But we blindly go into it, not realizing we need to be equipped and we need some understanding. Isn't that true? All the songs in the world, all the movies in the world are written about relationships, romantic relationships. Almost every movie you watch has to do with romantic relationships. And if romantic relationships are at the core, we should be equipped to know how to manage them successfully. Isn't that true? Now, God's goal has always been two sexes, and God's created procreation first. That's why I made two sexes. Procreation first, pleasure second. You hear me? Procreation first, pleasure second. The devil's goal is to confuse the sexes and to put pleasure first and procreation, get rid of it. In fact, abort them. The world's in exactly the opposite place to what God intends. And yet we follow along and get advice from books, magazines, and television, and we even want to advocate it in the church. We need to get back to God's understanding of who we are and how he wants us to function. I remember when I was growing up, there weren't gender issues as much as today. You know what we used to say? What's a real man and what's a real woman? The devil has always tried to confuse people as to God's identities. This is not new what we're facing today. It's an age-old problem dressed up in different clothes. And that's not a pun. So listen, no laws, no days of activism, no government intervention is going to help us but understanding through the wisdom of God. And I want to speak to you tonight on the wonder of attraction. Because when you understand how attraction works in relationships, it goes a long way to solving some of the problems that we face in the church and in our world. So I'm going to give you six things about attraction. It's going to be a short message tonight, and then we're going to take some questions. Number one, when we understand the dynamics of attraction, we need to realize that it's a design gift of God. Not just a gift of God, a design gift of God. God thought this up and designed it to bring people together. Animals do not have the gift of attraction. They do not look at the hindquarters of another animal and go, wow, I need to follow that one down into the bush. 
It just doesn't happen. They have a clock, tick tock, tick tock, and then they go, baby, and do they go. <laughs> and you know what I'm discovering? Human beings are behaving more like animals. No regulation. It's like the clock goes on when you're 13 or 12, and then it just goes, baby. And then when you get to 40, your life is damaged, you're disturbed, you're freaked out, you're depressed, you're trying to take tablets to solve what you didn't understand. So it's a design gift of God to bring people together. We get attracted to one another. People are attracted to one another. It's a very interesting thing. You know, Dr. Robbie Sonderiger, who's a friend of the house, he's a psychologist. He, in preaching here several times, has said this. He says, the older you get, the more you're attracted to older people. When you're like 13, you get attracted to 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds. Then when you get to 19, you get attracted to like 25-year-olds. When you get to 30, you get more attracted to older people, 40. Then when you're 40, you get attracted to 45-year-olds. When you're 50, you're attracted to other 50-year-olds. Why? Because it's a gift that God's designed to bring people together. It's something inherent. When you look at someone, you're like, wow. Now, here's the interesting thing about attraction, this gift of attraction. Scientists have discovered this, that... Uh, that opposites don't attract. We fancy people who look similar to us. They did a study in uh, Indonesia. Not everybody. <laughs> they just... <laughs> I heard a comment in the front row. They did a study in Indonesia, and uh, sorry, Malaysia, and El Salvador... And they found that people in the rural areas had more rugged features. If we talk about a woman, more, more sort of intense features. And those in the cities had fine features. But the people in the rural areas were attracted to people who looked like them. They didn't like fine-featured people. And the fine-featured people who lived in the cities didn't like people that looked different. These people were attracted to people that looked more like this. And the finer-featured people were attracted more. Because we tend to be attracted to people like us. Interesting, eh? Hey, well, like, ooh, stop looking around, looking at my parents, my wife. Who did I marry? This is interesting. Gwyneth Paltrow's ex-husband, ex-husband, singer Chris Martin of Coldplay, you all probably know him. He bears a strange resemblance to her brother, Jake Paltrow. Because they say this, not only are we attracted to people who look like, we're attracted to people, girls are attracted to people who look like their brothers. Some of you are thinking, I'm going out with someone, I look nothing like the brother. There's no future. <laughs> look at this, Alison William, she said that reporters confused her brother Doug on the right for her husband, Ricky Van Veen. She took him on a date once just to accompany her because her husband wasn't available, or boyfriend wasn't available. Sorry, her husband wasn't available, and uh, people thought it was her husband. Interesting, eh? Watch this. Actress Blake Lively's partner, Ryan Reynolds, in the middle, looks like her brother and fellow actor, Eric Lively. And some of you are like, no, he doesn't. Just, there's a resemblance. Then actress Jessica Alba's partner, film producer, Cash Warren, looks like her brother, Joshua Alba. Come on, you've got to agree. You have to agree. I'm telling you to agree. But here's the one. Model Gigi Hadid's boyfriend, Zayn Malik, looks like her younger brother, Anwar Hadid. Here's another one. Australian actress Margot Robbie's partner, Tom Ackerley, looks similar to her brother, Cameron Robbie. Now, people are also attracted to people, as I said, who look like them. Look at this. Model Giselle Bunchen looks remarkably similar to her husband, <laughs> footballer Tom Brady. You're as beautiful as me, darling. 
Denzel Washington, they say, bears a strong resemblance to his wife, Pauletta Washington. Okay. And singer Leanne Rhymes married a husband, Eddie Cibrian, in 2011 and looks remarkably like him. What's this thing about love your neighbor as your? <laughs> Aren't we interesting as people? Now, it's a gift of God. Why has he given it? It's to bring people together. Otherwise, we would never be drawn. Everyone, we mean, I don't like him. No, I don't like their lips. No, I don't like their eyes. Oh, no, that face. Oh, my mother warned me about that face. We'd have no relationships. But there's something that God has put in us different to the animals that initiates relationships but not meant to sustain them. So number two, it is romantic and non-romantic. Hear me tonight. Listen to this carefully. It is to the opposite sex and it's romantic, but it's also non-romantic. Men can be drawn and attracted to other men non-sexually because they find commonality and they find the appearance of another man appealing and attractive and they feel like they could make a relationship or a friendship with that person. It exists also between men and women. God's designed it for both and with both their boundaries. Don't meet a person because they're attractive. Every time I meet a person that's attractive, I can't marry them. There's a boundary. Isn't that true? So God will use it to build relationships. We've got relationships with all sorts of people, men, women, on our staff, our friends, but they're boundaries. And God uses it to bring people together. Remember David and Jonathan? They were attracted to each other non-sexually, and their souls knit, and they became brilliant, lifelong friends who protected each other, but there was no sexual relationship because they didn't allow it to go there. And when you're attracted to someone as an opposite sex, you can be like, wow, they're my kind of person. But you don't get into bed with them, unless you're in the movies. No, there's a, there's a, there's a boundary. Because the gift's meant to bring you together, but not physically together. Deuteronomy 21. If you notice among the captives a beautiful woman and are attracted to her, you may take her as your wife. First attraction, then commitment. Esther chapter two and verse 17. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any other woman and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. There's an unusual word I thought I'd just mention. There was something about her that he was drawn to but it wasn't instantly physical. God has given that gift to us and it's both uh, um, uh, romantic and non-romantic. It's used to foster non-romantic relationships and romantic relationships. Am I, making, am I making sense? Number three, the third thing is it exists to the physical appearance of a person. So when you meet a person, you don't immediately go, man, I want to know about your character. You first meet them, you go, ooh, those eyes. And then you go further down, ooh, those hands. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So God's designed it that we find something attractive about a person. When I met Pastor Vilma, I didn't say, oh, who's that girl with such incredible friendship? I've heard she's a friend amongst many. I was like, who is that chick going down the road? True? That's a design gift of God to the physical appearance of a person. And in the same way, when men meet men or women meet women, there's something that says, I could be a friend with this person. There's like a gelling. And it's a design of God. We take, it to the, we take it beyond where it's supposed to go. We don't understand what God has designed, so we distort anything we don't understand. Am I making sense? 
And so attraction says, I find you appealing and I'd like to have a relationship with you, but lust says, I like you and I want to use you or have you. Isn't that what happened with Amnon and Tamar in 2 Samuel? Amnon had a sister called Tamar. And the Bible says he, he, he was sick for love for her. So he organized that she would come make a meal and end up in his bedroom. And then when she was in his bedroom, he raped her. I mean, you know, that's not, that's not attraction. He first found her appealing, but then he took it beyond the boundaries that God intended. Number one, it was his sister. Number two, you don't rape someone because you desire them. There's a process. Are you with me? And so he did not love her. He actually lusted after her because you cannot love what you don't know. You cannot love what you don't know. You see, love is not one-dimensional. It's not just, in, in, in the English we have the word love, but in the, in the Greek it's four words. In, what we only know is eros, from which we get the word erotic. That's sexual love. But there are many more. Can you see on the screen? There's philia, which is friendship. Don't mix them up. You can be friends with someone and not have sexual love for them. You've got female friends. I've got female friends with female staff members. They, 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 you don't get involved sexually with them. There's, bad, there's a line there. You know which love it is. Then there's agape, which is unconditional love. I love you no matter who you are. And then lastly, there's a, a storge, the love for family. How many of you know incest is a huge problem in our world? Because we're mixing all these things up. And we don't know how God's made us. So there's no more lions anymore. Anything goes. But God's given us this gift. And it is to the physical appearance of a person. But there are certain boundaries. Even Dina, Jacob's daughter, was seen to be attractive in Genesis, and she ended up being raped. It's just like today. Let me read this to you in Genesis 34. It says, one day Dina, the daughter of Jacob and Leah, went to visit some of the Canaanite women. When Shechem, son of Hamor the Hevite, who was chief of that region, saw her, he took her and raped her. Now, verse 3 is amazing. But he found the young woman so attractive that he fell in love with her and tried to win her affection. I think you got it the wrong way around. And he said to his father, I want you to get this woman for me as a wife. No, no, you first get to know her, Shechem, and then you find, you find her attractive, get to know her, and then you get married to her. You don't rape her first and then try and make a relationship. Our world has got it the wrong way around. Oh, I like him. Come, let's get into bed. <laughs> Tear the clothes off. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, now let's try and get to know each other. <laughs> Number four. Is this helping anybody? Watch this, it starts a relationship but cannot sustain it. See, God never meant it to, be, to sustain a relationship. He only meant it to initiate a relationship. It's the initiation phase of a relationship. What comes after this is commitment and confirmation and maturing. And so it brings people together. There's the chemistry, but then real love has to come after that. Unconditional love has to come after that. Friendship has to come after that. Because how many of you know, after three years, you don't find a person attractive anymore? You get used to them. They are attractive. That's why they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Because when you're away and you come back, it's like, ooh. Whereas when you're with someone, they, that, that's, that's my wife. That's my husband. Unless someone else says, gee, your wife's beautiful. Eh? Then you're like, yeah, of course. You suddenly get a new appreciation. No. How do you, how do you stay married to us, we're in our 60s. We've been married since we were uh, just before 20. I mean, you know, Pastor Bill and I don't look like the way we used to look. So that brought us together. You can't wake up in the morning and look over in the bed and go, oh my word. 
Oh, my word. That's what people do. Because we're living by attraction instead of by what attraction is meant to produce. And here's the thing. Married people get attracted to other people and they think it's God's will. No, it's not. It's a gift of God. You're meant to control it. You're meant to go, <laughs> come here. Doesn't belong to them. Belongs to this person. So you can't stop it from happening, but you can control the consequences of it. Because it's a gift of God, but they're boundaries. So it starts a relation. Number five, it can and must be controlled. People talk about falling in love. We just read of Shechem. He fell in love. How many didn't fall in love? You don't fall into anything. You fall into holes. <laughs> but what happens is people allow the gift of attraction to, to, to remove their mind. So they only go by emotion instead of rationale. When you find someone very attractive, you have to pause and ask, what's inside this beautiful carcass that I'm sitting at the table with? Come on. Because there's much more to it than looks. How many of you have ever heard people say, I wonder what she sees in him? They're exactly right. She sees something you don't see. That's why girls, girls, you're under pressure, ladies. You're under pressure to measure up to what, every, what you think every man wants, eh? Slim, slender, thin, attractive, nice legs, right-sized bottom and all this stuff. No, 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 no. You know what a man really needs? He needs to know what's inside you because what you look like will always change, sometimes very quickly. In fact, sometimes after the first baby, instant change. Whoop. So what's inside you is going to sustain the relationship, not what you look like. And women strive to look like they're 25, cut this, cut that, cut this, cut everything, remove, pump, and two. No, no, no. Build the inside. So it must be controlled. How does it get controlled? By the word. And the principles of the word, not by emotion. Why do you think adultery is so widespread? And adultery and, and sexual permissiveness is widespread. And we, at the, in the church, we're told, hey, get used to it. This is the world we live in. No, God's got boundaries. You don't just get used to it. It must be controlled. Attraction initiates, but then there have to be boundaries and limits that God has designed. And... Uh, we don't want responsibility, we don't want commitment, we just want pleasure and self-gratification, and we want the church to accept it. Now, here's my question to you tonight. If, we are, if, if you want the church to accept your indulgence, how come people like us can't indulge? Imagine I announce next week, you know what, we're just accommodating everybody, any gender, any, you know, whatever you feel, you know, who are we to judge? And you know, Pastor Wilman, I've decided she's got two guys and I've got another two women, and you know, just... You'd be like, what? Come on now, come on. Raise your hands. You, you would. So what's good for you, Gooser, must be good for the gander. We can't have double standards. Number six. Number six. It must be tested with friendship. So when you experience attraction with a person, let's have the opposite sex, and now you say, man, I really feel that I'm drawn to this person, you need to start testing with friendship. By spending time together, you need to test whether this, whether this attraction can go further 
or whether this is just a fleeting thing the way God's made us that we need to move on from. Are you with me? And so this is what you need to ask. You need to ask what's left after these intense feelings go. Then you'll know what the relationship consists of. But most people don't. They just focus on the physical. That's why marriages don't last. And there's a high percent of marriages that fail because people are built, they're building it on nothing more than attraction. And when attraction fades, the marriage falls apart, the relationship falls apart. That's why people go from one person to another person looking for that thrill. Oh, I like you. Oh, I like you too. Oh, let's go out. Let's go dancing. Then it's over and then they look for the next person. That's what dogs do. Don't tweet now, it's Sunday night, eh? <laughs> so test the relationship, and I'm, need, I'm, need, I'm about to close. Test the relationship. Don't let lust and loneliness rule you. Those are your two, two biggest obstacles if you're a single person. Lust and loneliness. And listen, be honest. Oh, I'm not lonely. Well, then what's driving you? I'm not lusting. What's driving you? You know, the more you can identify your issue, the easier it is to get a breakthrough. The more you lie to yourself, the harder it's going to be for you later on when you face regret. So test attraction with friendship. You know what I've discovered? People, when they rent out their apartment or their house, they go through rigorous searches to see if the person's credit record is good. They take a deposit. They make them fill in forms before they let them rent out their house. But people let people into their lives on a whim without even asking questions. And that person evades you, takes possession of your body, only to leave you devastated and wrecked on the inside. And we call that living. No, it's not. Here's one last thought on the screen. I want you to remember this. Just because someone aggressively pursues you sexually doesn't mean that you're all important to them. See, the problem is when someone pursues us because they're attracted to us, we think we're important. No, they're just attracted. Let's test to see if we are important by testing the friendship because it's a God-given quality, but it requires much deeper things to make sure it lasts. So church, take steps to slow down the excitement you experience when you meet someone, that initial phase of euphoria when you're attracted, and test the relationship and build your life, not just on physical desire or what you see, but the wisdom of God in your life. Amen, amen. So we've got some questions that have popped up and one of them is, is there only one perfect person that God has for me? How many of you find that quite a common question? And uh, we, we used to be taught that when we were young Christians but it's not sound teaching. You could marry many people. That's why when you get married, you often feel you've made a mistake because you get attracted to someone else. And sometimes very strongly, especially if you're having problems in your relationship, and now you meet someone at work, you could feel, oh, the devil made me marry that one. But this is the one the Lord, no, people have told me this. This is the one the Lord wants me to marry. The devil hoodwinked me. I was so young. No, no, there's not one perfect person for you. There are lots of nuts for bolts. Some are imperial and they don't fit. Some are metric. You could be attracted and you could relate to a lot of people. Character is what makes a relationship work, not some kind of fit, ultimate fit. 
The reason our marriage works is because we've committed to be friends. Although sometimes we don't behave like it. No, you get irritated with the person you're married to. Of course you do. But we're committed to make it work. And so it's not one person for you. Number two, what do you do if you're 40 and still single? No one wants me. Now don't laugh. Don't laugh. This is an ache in the hearts of lots of Christians. And they end up getting involved with people outside because you do feel lonely at 40. If you're a woman, you feel like you can't have children. There are a lot of issues. I think you need to keep looking. And you need to make yourself attractive, not just physically, but emotionally and relationally. And not enough of us work on that because we're too physically driven by the movies and the things we watch. Can I encourage you to be very prudent about what you watch on Netflix? Let me just tell you this. I was watching a series called Designated Survivor. The first two seasons were amazing. The leadership principles, how he landed himself as president, how he managed his children and crises. I thought that every time I watched it, I thought I learned something. These leadership principles. The third season, a new studio took over. I don't watch it anymore because they're promoting their agenda from beginning to end and trying to influence us and to get us to think the devil's way. If you're 40 and single, stop watching rubbish like that. Where your, where your mind is, your body will go. You've got to start thinking like a Christian, mixing with committed people, and pray that God will give you a partner. And don't have unreasonable expectations. Sometimes I want a guy, and he's got to be this, and he's got to be that. Look in the mirror at yourself. No, come on, we've got to be realistic. Because ultimately, every one of us will change. What you need is a companion for life that's going to serve the purposes of God together. And guess what? When that happens, sex is great. You think sex is great when two people are super attractive and slim and they pumped and I... No, no, no. No, no, no. No, it's not. It's when two people gel here and here, then the body. Number three. <laughs> this person says, good evening. Good evening to you. What is the fine line between attraction and lust? I don't think there's a fine line. I think attraction brings people together. Lust is when you want to use someone and you don't want to wait. See, attraction says, man, you're attractive. Man, I want to kiss you. Man, I'd like to hold you. That's not, that's not wrong. Lust is when you want it outside of God's boundaries and you won't wait and you'll compromise and you'll make excuses. Everyone's doing it. You know, don't be ridiculous. Where in the Bible does it say, come see me? If any of you have doubts, see me in the foyer. If you've got a half an hour, I'll show you in the Bible. Because everyone's telling me there's no such thing in the Bible as sexual sin. It's all over. Because God doesn't design something without giving you a manual on how to run it. Number four, what if you're not attracted to people the same age as you, by five to ten years older or younger? I think that's okay. But I think if you're 20, you can't be attracted to a 10-year-old. And I just want to make that clear. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to make you laugh. But I think if you're 30, being attracted to a 20-year-old is okay. And sometimes women are attracted to older men because they're more mature, maybe they're more settled, maybe they're more financially secure, they've got over some issues, so it's easier to be with them, there's less jealousy sometimes. And I know lots of couples who've made a success of their lives where there's a big age gap. Some of our close friends, some of the people that we've had on staff, different races, different ages, they've made it work. Why? Because the most important thing is the same values. That is critical. 
but I suggest every relationship needs to be explored carefully and wisely. You don't rush into something that's meant to last a lifetime. Number five, is it okay to have a close friendship with someone of the opposite sex? Yes, friendship. But close friendship, what do you mean by that? Well, we sit together and I hold her leg and she chats to me and holds my leg. No. I think you need to have a boundary, especially if you have friends of the opposite sex and you're married. Because here's an important thing people don't understand. You might never touch a person or kiss them, but you can have intimacy with them. And that can hurt your partner. If my wife has got a man friend that she's closer to than me, it's going to be, I don't be like, oh, I'm bigger than that. No. No, it's something we've got to think about. And sometimes she has to tell me, hey, some of our staff know more about something than I do. And I'd be like, yeah. So you, we, have to, we have to be sensitive if we value relationships. Number six, what are the dangers of using pornography to fill the void of singleness? Well, the danger of pornography is this. Simulated or unnatural sex will not enable you to have natural sex once you have a partner. Pornography promises you the world, but it gives you the pit. And married couples have been, this has been proven scientifically, besides it being inc incorrect because it's pornography, it's, it's, it's illegal to look. That's what it means. Ography as in photography. Porn means uh, illegal, not to not look at. So, so God doesn't want you to look at other people's intimacy. He wants you to enjoy your own intimacy. If you keep looking at other people's intimacy, when you finally have your own intimacy, it won't be satisfying. You with me? So everything that God forbids, always remember this, damages you in some way. And while it is, it's, it's not, can I say this carefully tonight? Listen to me carefully. Do not put this on Instagram. The Bible does not speak against masturbation. But the danger of masturbation, it leads to fantasy and can lead to pornography. Are you with me? It's like wine. There's nothing wrong with wine, but it can lead to drunkenness. So it's better to be alone, self-stimulated, than to be watching pornography and creating fantasy because it'll kill all your relationships in your life. It's gone very quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Number seven, I'm not advocating it. I've studied this topic and I've read books on it by Christian gynecologists, so I'm not speaking just off the cuff tonight. I'm trying to give you wisdom and I don't want to bring condemnation. And people can quote Ornan where he seed spilled on the floor. That's not masturbation. That was legacy and responsibility. So number seven, how do you communicate and create boundaries in a friendship of the opposite sex? Sure. I just think you need wisdom and avoid intimacy. Intimacy is something that's not physical. It's emotional. Don't have friendships with someone of the opposite sex and tell them, you know, oh, last night I was lying in bed and, you know, I was had fantasy, you know, and in my fantasy I saw someone looked a lot like you. No, 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 no. No, there's some things you just don't talk about. In fact, I think sometimes people just let their mouths run loose. Something should be kept in here and taken to God. Lord, help me to live honorably and holy. Because if you want to honor God, that's what you need to do. So you need to watch those things because sometimes a friendship can cross over there. Trouble cometh if it does. 
Rather have lots of friendships. And the best way to guard it is to have lots of friendships with lots of people. That's why connect groups and volunteering is so healthy in a church because you learn how age groups, races, all that, and then you can really determine who you should be. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.